Okay, thank you. Yeah, you never know. I might, I might well dance. I'm leading the white shirt rebellion, by the way. No checks here. No checks whatsoever. The saints are clothed in robes of white. So, you know, I'm, this, this is a prophetic statement. You know, there we go. Um, I'm Bill. Married to Rachel. Dad to Tom. Dad to a couple of others as well, but they don't live around here, so that's fine. Some of you will know them, some of them won't. Um, I'm going to speak today on John chapter 7, verses 37 to 39. I've preached from it before, several times. Um, I have to say, I don't actually have a favorite Bible verse. People often say, do you have a favorite Bible verse? I don't. Um, It's like saying, do you have a favorite child? I don't. Um, they're all equal in my sight. They are all equal in my sight. Just thought I'd get that one. Uh, so um, I have no favorite children. I have no favorite Bible verses. However, there are some which I kind of think, nah, they, they, they've got to kind of be up there, really. And this is, this is one of them. I keep coming back to it. Um, but it's not just because it's one of my favorites. I think there is something that um, the Spirit wants to minister to us today. So... Some of the stuff I'm going to say today, you may have heard me say before, whether you remember it or not is another question entirely, but um, I'm going to preach from John chapter 7, which is where Jesus is in the temple for the Feast of Tabernacles. And it says this, on the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty... Come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this, he meant the spirit, who those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that point, the Spirit had not been given, since Jesus had not yet been glorified. Holy Spirit, I'm just asking you, would you give us a revelation of the love, the mercy, the loving kindness of Jesus this morning? Flood our hearts with an awareness of your love and your presence and what you've put within us, in Jesus' name. Amen. So, the Feast of Tabernacles is quite a significant feast. Uh, It's one of the major feasts of Israel. Uh, Many scholars believe that the Feast of Tabernacles did actually mark the physical birth of Jesus. Uh, Sorry to disappoint you, those of you who think... It was actually in the middle of December. Um, I do tend to favour the Jehovah's Witnesses in that sense. There's not much I agree with the Jehovah's Witnesses on. Um, but I do think they've got it right on there. I'm not going to make a legalistic thing out of it because some people argue differently. However, most significant things that have happened in the life of Jesus, in the life of the early church, somehow or other seem to coincide with major festivals in the Old Testament. So the Spirit comes at Pentecost. 
Jesus gives his life for us as Passover, the, the great the Passover Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, where the, it, uh, the, the, the angel says in, in Scripture about when I, the, the message from God, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And that finds its fulfillment in when Jesus sheds his blood for us so that we are no longer subject to the curse of sin and death. He has been united with us in his death. We have been united with him in his death. And we will be united with him in his resurrection. And that's a tremendous thing. And when Dave spoke a couple of weeks ago, he mentioned from the beginning of John's Gospel, where it says, in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. And then it says a few verses on it, it says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And actually, the, the word that John uses there, it's literally the word became flesh and tabernacled amongst us. And there's something that we sometimes neglect, is that yes, We focus on the power and the divinity and the majesty and the lordship and the godship of Jesus, who was eternally God the Son, and we sometimes forget that Jesus is actually still human. Going to let that sink in for a minute. Because Jesus didn't just become a human being for 33 years. And then he's pushed off back to heaven. He is still human. Which means he knows exactly how you feel and exactly how you think and exactly the pressures that you are under. I've had my DNA done and my sister recently had hers done. She's slightly more Welsh than me. I won't hold it against her. I'm only 8% Welsh. That probably means that I'm not going to mention rugby anything like as much as Andy Davis did last week. I'm 89% English. I don't quite know where that leaves me in the rugby stakes, just probably I'm not going to mention it. But there is something mysterious of how when the angel announced to a teenage peasant girl of the line of David in Bethlehem, you will bear a child. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. And what will be conceived in your womb, the language is very graphic, will be called the Son of the Most High. You will call him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. And somehow, and I... I don't know quite how the DNA mix will have mixed up with, with, in Jesus of Nazareth, where you have the Holy Spirit mixing with an egg of a teenage peasant girl, and somehow what is to be born from her is the Son of God. God of very God, as the Nicene Creed says, man of very man. And Jesus is still God of very God. That's why we worship him. But he's still man of very man. Because what is sat on the throne of the heavens right now 
is not some distant being who would love to smite you the moment you step out of line. He's the Jesus who loved you so much. And I love that line from the song that Beth uh, led us in a couple of weeks ago. In the darkness, we were waiting without hope, without light. From heaven, you came running. There was mercy in your eyes. And if you want to know what mercy looks like, if you want to know what love looks like, if you want to know what kindness looks like, you look in the eyes of Jesus. Because the ultimate revelation of what God is like is Jesus. He's God incarnate. But he's God of very God. He is man of very man. He was so kind to us and loved us so much that he decided that he would forever share our humanity and share our death so that we could share in his resurrection life in glory. And the good news is, it starts now. Because Jesus comes to this very, very... Actually, I say it's a solemn feast. It was known as one of the most joyful occasions in the calendar. And what would happen, the Feast of Tabernacles... They would celebrate the fact that God had provided for the people of Israel in the wilderness, that there was water from the rock that had sustained them, that they would have manna, and there were all sorts of things. But the, the interesting thing about the Feast of the Tab- of Tabernacles is that they would, the priests would get water from the pool of Siloam in jugs and they would take it to the altar and they would pour it through a hole in the water and the water would come out and that would be a, a, a demonstration of like how the water would flow out of the rock and it would have sustained the people of Israel in the wilderness. But it, or they would also think about the prophetic picture that Ezekiel had about how he saw a river from the throne of God, from the courts flowing through the courts of te- the temple and flowing out. And they would bring that to mind. And the people would sing, with joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. And the the priests would pour out water and there'd be great celebration. And there'd be great rejoicing taking place. And in the midst of all of that, Jesus stood up. And this was a momentous national occasion. Going back last year... I queued for 15 hours through the streets of London to go and see the Queen's lying in state. I kind of debated whether or not I would stay on for the funeral. It was so packed. And loads of roads were blocked off, and I'd already been up overnight, and I thought, oh, no, I'm just going to go. I'm going to watch it on TV. Mel Sutton did it the other way round. She queued through the day and went to the lying in state in the middle of the night and then actually stood and watched the coronation. But you can imagine... Oh, sorry, not the coronation, the funeral. But you can imagine a momentous national occasion like the Queen's funeral and somebody standing up and shouting in the middle of it. People think, what on earth is happening here? And yet in the middle of this occasion, Jesus stands up 
where water is gushing out of the symbolic rock and says, is anyone thirsty? So he said in a loud voice, visual aid, audible aid. Is anyone thirsty? Let them come to me and drink. And then he goes on to say, if anyone believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of their innermost being will flow rivers of living water. So often, we can get so caught up with the ritual and the day-to-day going about, about what we do as people and what we do as church and what does this mean and what does that mean and what's this verse here and what's this verse there. And Jesus early on had an exchange with the Pharisees where he was, and he said this to me, he said something very interesting. He said, you search the scriptures You pour over them day and night because you think that by studying them, you can obtain eternal life. And then he says this, everything you read points to me. And in this moment at the Feast of Tabernacles, Jesus is doing a major visual aid where he's saying everything that you see is about me. It points to me. Is anyone thirsty? And the answer to that question is, yes, I am. Excuse me one moment. And it might be today that you are thirsty. And it might be today that there is a yearning deep in your heart. Because the fact is, is that we were created in the image of God and for fellowship with God. That is how we were designed and how we were made. Father, Son and Holy Spirit in the beginning made human beings in their own likeness. The Puritans, the old Puritans used to have a phrase where they say, God is in himself a sweet society. Wonderful fellowship and friendship between the Father and the Son and the Spirit. And he wanted to include you in that. And yet somehow, because people haven't hooked into that, and they haven't hooked into the kindness of God, they haven't hooked into the purpose of God for their lives, they haven't hooked into the destiny that God has for them. And because they don't understand what they were created for, and they they believe the lie that somehow they just evolved from primeval slime, or that they evolved from some other species that wasn't quite as good, because they believe that there's nothing else. And because there's such pain in our world, because there's such suffering, and some of you, you've resorted to drinking other stuff because of pain and suffering in your lives. The problem isn't that you've been drinking, it's what you've been drinking. 
Because Jesus said, if you're thirsty, if you've got a yearning in your heart, if you've got pain in your heart, come to me and drink. Drink of me. Drink of the water of life that I can give you. Because you will find rest for your souls. Earlier on, he said, I am the bread of life. Anyone who eats what I give him will never go hungry. The trouble is, sometimes we think bread and water. Put in solitary confinement, and that's about what I feel about life. Prison rations. And yet Jesus is saying, whatever your heart hungers for, in terms of the deepest reality of what you were created to be, everything your being inwardly thirsts for, you can find it in me. Come to me and drink. And I think if in the church we have a drinking problem, it's that we don't drink enough. I think we do have a slight obsession with hydration in our modern society. Here I have my water bottle. I have brought it with me. Mainly because I know if I, don't ha- if I have a glass of water, I'm likely to kick it over. If I kick this one over, it's okay. It doesn't spill. But you'll see people about when they go for a run. They carry water with them. When they go for a walk, they carry water with them. I'm not knocking it. It's a good thing. We need to get into the habit of getting well hydrated in Jesus. You know, I get up in the morning, and I like to set my coffee machine so that it comes on, so I walk downstairs, the coffee is there, or alternatively, I press the button on my way to the downstairs, Lou, come out, coffee's made. And I just enjoy savouring a cup of coffee. And we just need to take time out of our day sometimes just to savour the kindness, the love, the mercy of Jesus. And just drink a little. We need to just become solitary drinkers of the love, the mercy, the kindness, the overwhelming riches of the grace of God, who loved us so much, he left his throne of glory to occupy a cradle in the dirt and to take on humanity just like us just like us but a little bit different because he has the spirit of God dwelling in him Hmm. we need to be social drinkers as well it is quite nice to have I went to a conference yesterday it wasn't a church conference it was a professional one and um I was due to go home after the uh, business had finished, and one of, the, one of the guys that I trained with said, do you want to stop for a drink? And I thought, actually, do you know what? Yes, I would. Uh, as I had to drive home, I didn't have my customary glass of Argentinian Mulbeck. Uh, I may do with an orange juice. But that was fine, because it's nice to drink socially. And actually, when we come together, it's good to drink socially and to remind ourselves of the kindness and the grace and the mercy and the love of God, to have our hearts warmed as we share stories of how good God is and what he's done for us. We sometimes, we sung that old song where it says, what he's done for others he can do for you. And sometimes you hear God do something in somebody's lives and you think, yes, he's done that for them, he can do it for me. 
and we can encourage one another. And somebody shares a prophetic word or a picture or a psalm or a hymn or a spiritual song or a word of scripture and something, hope rises in our heart and we're sustained. Drink. We were designed to drink. We were designed to drink. And we need to drink deep of the goodness and the love and the mercy and the grace of God. So point one, drink deep. Try and incorporate. You will just be enriched. You know, however it works for you, put on a good worship song, a good one. There are some that aren't so good. Put on a good one. Good biblical scriptural words that feed your heart and feed your soul. However it works. If, yeah, there are some that just minister. Yeah, I, I like that. Yeah, or, or read something from the word. Or speak in tongues. Or pray. Or just sit in the silence with your cup of coffee and contemplate how God was so kind to you that he decided he would become a man for you and die for you. Because if ever you doubt that God loves you, Jesus is it. Drink deep. Because the thing is, sometimes we can get a little dry. Life gets in the way. Make time to drink, because we need to stay hydrated in Jesus, in the glorious truth of the gospel of God. Stay hydrated in the gospel. Get yourself soaking wet on the inside with the grace and the love and the mercy of God. However you do it, do it. Drink deep. Because I thought Hillary hit the nail on the head. Because sometimes we can get so obsessed with programs and procedures and being purpose-driven and being all the other stuff, and you've got to do this, you've got to do that. We're becoming legalistic all over again. You've got to do this, you've got to do that, you've got to do the other. You drink in the kindness of God, and you think, how could I not pass that on? Because Jesus then says, if anyone, anyone believes in me, out of their innermost being will flow rivers of living water. It says, by this, he meant the spirit, which had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet been glorified. And you look and think, well, surely the spirit had been given. People had encountered the spirit of God all through the Old Testament. People had kept the spirit of God, came on this person here, that person there. They did this, they did that. It says quite clearly, the scripture says the spirit... But there's a particular way in which the Spirit came that Jesus was foretelling and outpouring. There was something that would come that had been spoken of in the prophets. Because it says, as the scripture has said, you won't find a single verse which absolutely underlines what Jesus has said. There is no proof text for it. But what you have is a whole thread that goes through Scripture, right from the beginning, right to the end. 
right even when God created the earth. And it says that in Eden, there was a river that flowed out from the garden and there were four head streams. And what that means is from the place where God communes with people, there is a river which refreshes that place and spreads out and touches the four corners of the earth. Yes, I know the earth is a globe and it does not literally have four corners, but sometimes the Bible is a bit poetic. And sometimes as Westerners, we kind of think, well, actually, prose is a lot more efficient. We like an idiot's guide. We like bullet points. We like PowerPoint. Actually, no, I don't think we do like PowerPoint. Just people tell us we should. And, you know, we go through all this kind of thing. We think, yes, prose. Point, 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 much more efficient. The trouble is the Bible isn't always like that. Sometimes it speaks in some pictures and some poetry, which if you like poetry, that's great. If you don't, not so great. So there is a whole thread that runs through Scripture where you get the water from the rock sustaining the people in the wilderness. Ezekiel sees this picture of water flowing from the throne of God, from the inner court of the temple, down the middle of the street of the city, and then touching the ends of the earth and getting deeper and deeper and deeper. And sometimes when we've seen moves of the Spirit in the past, we've kind of almost thought of that river as almost an external thing that we get into, that kind of, you know, sometimes it's ankle deep and sometimes it's knee deep, sometimes whatever, and then it's a mighty river that no one can swim across. And that river reaches its fulfillment when in Revelation, John sees this picture of the river that flows from the throne of God. And it brings life wherever it goes. And it's down the middle of the streets of the city that wherever the the river flows, there are lots of fish. And the leaves of the tree, there's the tree of life either side of the, the river and the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. And we kind of think of that somehow that it's either future or it's kind of, some mystical kind of thing. To kind of ram home this second point about rivers, there is this mystical thing, because the, the, the river is alive. It's not, it gives life, but it's life-giving. It, it, it's life-giving, but it's living in its own right. It's, 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 it's a river of life. But... There is something mystical in this. And I I have to say, I always liked the old language of the marriage service, where it talks about this this phrase where it says, it speaks of the mystical union betwixt Christ and his church. And I love that that word, betwixt. And I don't know if it's because it reminds me of a chocolate bar. (laughs) But there is this mystical union between Christ and people. Because the Bible talks about the fact that our lives are now hidden with Christ in God. Might not feel like that, but that's what the Bible says is a spiritual reality because what, of what Jesus has done for us. Our lives are now hidden with Christ in God. The Bible says that we are now seated with Christ in heavenly places. We are there. Might not feel like it. And in some weird mystical union, I am stood here, but I am 
seated with Christ in heavenly places. And so we ask ourselves, so where is the throne of God? And we think, well, yes, of course, it's, it's in heaven. And so that, yeah, we're looking for an outpouring from heaven because we're looking for a river that flows from the presence of God. And then we forget that actually it says that Christ is enthroned in us, in our hearts. Where's the throne of God? It's in here. It's in here. He seated. There's some mystical union where we've believed in him and he's moved in. He's moved in by his spirit. He's come and he's adopted us and saying, you're not a stranger. You're my beloved son. You're my beloved daughter. I'm here and I'm not moving out. The throne of God, he is enthroned in our hearts. I mean, I do have... There is a phrase that we often quote where a worship leader, when wanting to kind of encourage us to kind of participate a little bit more, will quote the phrase from the Old Testament. It says, God is enthroned on the praises of his people. That is Old Covenant. Yes, there is something special when we come together to worship, but now God is enthroned in the people. And that's why praise together is good. It's because God is enthroned in his people. He doesn't inhabit our praise. He inhabits us. That's new covenant. Because everything that you read in the old is pointing to him. And the trouble sometimes is that Christians will look at new covenant scriptures and forget that Jesus has come and fulfilled them and kind of... They'll try and kind of go back into legalistic old covenant stuff. Or even worse, they'll take stuff which has been fulfilled in the coming of Jesus and they'll try and put some weird end of times interpretation on it and get themselves into all kinds of theological nightmares. Everything does not point towards some odd eschatology. Everything that you read points to him. The book of Revelation literally means apocalypsos is the revelation, the unveiling of Jesus. Revelation tells you who Jesus is. And that river, the rivers of living water, is because Jesus is enthroned in our hearts and he wants that same love and kindness and mercy and grace and peace that he wants us to experience and drink of. He wants us to let that flow out and touch some other people. Whether you say anything or not, says that we bring the fragrance of Christ with us. And to some, I think, oh, what's that? Something within them that is looking for reality and thirsting and hungering. They register something and thinking, oh, There's something about this person I can't, you know, kind of... I knew a guy at university once who sat down in the refectory and somebody from his course that he didn't know that well sat opposite him and he said, there's something different about you. And he thought, oh, this is good. Could have a conversation here. Could share the gospel. I said, yeah, there's there's just something about you. You carry something. And he thought, oh, this is good. He said, you're a vegetarian. Sometimes people can't put their finger on exactly what it is, but you're different. And sometimes we look in the mirror and think, no, I'm not. 
We think of how undeserving we are. We think that God is angry with us all the time. We kind of think we, we snuck in by the skin of our teeth. We've prayed that prayer to receive Jesus as our personal saviour 55 times, probably by lunchtime, because we somehow think that if we say it enough and we're still not sure that somehow God might be a little bit of peace with us and he's, he's, he only likes us because of Jesus anyway because he doesn't really like us that much. And sometimes these thoughts can work haywire in our head and we forget how much Jesus loves us. Jesus loves us. He lived for us and he died for us. But the fact is, is that because he's in there, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit occupying the throne of God in our hearts, and we're mixed up in... I mean, it's like, where does one begin and the other end? We're in him, he's in us. It's mystical. It really is. You cannot define it. But the Bible says it's true. We're in him, he's in us. And he said, if you believe in me, there's a river, a river, a river that is in itself living but also gives life and it will flow from you. And we come up with all kinds of excuses why that ain't never going to happen. With it, of course, because, you know, half the world's seeing great outpourings, but Dark times, you know, 55 covens operating locally, you know, and it's, it's hard. And, oh, this is a hard place. And we convince ourselves that what Jesus promised just ain't true. Jesus said, did not say, when revival comes you might get a bit of a trickle that might leak out of you from time to time. Because actually, I've looked on the book of life, Isaac Jordan Rowell, and you're just in as a footnote right at the very end. If you're lucky. And we kind of think like that sometimes. Jesus said, no. Anyone thirsty? Come to me and drink. Do you want a large one? No, 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 Jesus. I'll just have a small one. Thank you. Grace and mercy, no, just, just, just a small measure. Thank you. Don't want to get too carried away. He lavished his love upon us. And then he says, go and lavish it out on some other people because there's a river inside of you. You're in me. I'm in you. And do you know what? I am going to pour out the Holy Spirit in so much power. Do you know what? Your young men will see vision, your old men will dream dreams, and whether you're a man or a woman, I'm going to bombard you with my spirit, and it's going to bubble up within you, and it's going to flow out. <coughs> what was it, that line in that song again? The church of Christ was born, the spirit lit the flame. That gospel truth of old will not yield and will not faint. Fire. It's a river of fire as well. It's refreshing, but it's a river of fire. It's, it's quite a cool river. Do you know what? It's in you. 
can flow through you, can touch your friends, can touch your neighbours. Somebody's not feeling too well. Why not have a go and pray for them? Remember having conversations with people years ago. They said, yeah, but what if it doesn't work? Well, what if it does? <laughs> the interesting thing is I know somebody who... Somebody came up for them, they were pushed up in a wheelchair and it was after a meeting and he, he went to pray for them and he couldn't get a prayer out. All he did was he just sobbed over the woman. And you might think, well, did she get healed? Did she get healed? Did, she get, did it work? What happened was the, the mother who brought her daughter up gave him a hug and bawled her eyes out over her shoulder saying, thank you so much for caring. No one ever protested at being loved and encouraged. Go let the room flow a little bit. Have some fun. Because he's poured out so much love in our hearts. Go get a little bit hydrated so that you know that he's done that. Let the love of God be shed abroad in your heart and kind of get nice and moist on the inside. Get nice and loved on the inside. Get nice and filled with grace and truth and mercy from the one who knows exactly what it is you're going through, because he's Mary's boy, as well as God the Son, God of very God, man of very good man, sat on the throne of heaven, but also sat on the throne of your heart by the Holy Spirit. He's adopted you as his child, and he wants to use you in partnerships. Couldn't this be so much fun? Could not this be so much fun? You can do all the things that I did and even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. And do you know what? I'm going to send you my spirit. He's going to dwell in your hearts and he can flow in you and through you. (coughs) Have some fun, boys and girls. Have some fun. I mean, is that not fun? Keith Green used to sing this song, Gospel Medley. I've got a river of life flowing out of me. Makes the lame to walk and the blind to see. Opens prison doors, sets the captives free. I've got a river of life flowing out of me. The thing is, we kind of think, well, it's for them. It's for them because they're a preacher. For them because he wears a check shirt. It's for them because he's been to Bible college. It's for them because, well, he's a man. And of course, we're women. No, 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 no. I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons, your daughters, your old, your young doesn't matter how old you are. Yes, it doesn't matter how young you are. Woohoo! It doesn't matter whether you're a man or a woman. It's open to you. The promise of God is for you. It's for your children. It's for those who are far off. It's for all who the Lord our God will call. So I just want to close. Is anyone thirsty? Because if you're here this morning and you're thirsty and you're a bit dry, come to him and drink. If you're here this morning and you've never come to him and drink, come to him and drink. His name is Jesus. There's a very, very simple verse in the Bible where the Apostle Paul is in prison. He and Silas are not mourning their their position. They're having a bit of fun. They're they're worshipping. They're singing praises to God. Suddenly the prison doors fly open. That's a death sentence for the jailer if they run for it. They stay there. Because sometimes when Jesus opens a door for you and gives you a right... You don't necessarily exercise that right. And the jailer is about to fall on his sword. And he says, don't worry. Do not harm yourself. We are all still here. And he goes, well, what must I do to be saved? And he says, believe on the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. 
you and all your household. And if you're here today and you cannot say 100% I'm saved because of Jesus, today is your day. Believe on the Lord Jesus with all your heart and you will be saved. And you will receive living water in your heart that will will satiate you, it will satisfy you to the depths of your very being and you will know relationship with him because you'll be in him and he'll be in you. And you can experience the kindness and the love of God in a whole new dimension. Is anyone thirsty? Does anyone want to know more of the grace and the mercy and the kindness and the love of God? Because if you do, just ask him. He loves to give his spirit. And if you want to, out of that position, then flow and see some more people touched with that same love and mercy of God, there is a river, a river that is within you that you can let flow. If you're able, could you stand, please? I'm I'm just going to pray for us. If you're here today and you know you're dry or you know you've never come to Jesus before, you know you need to drink deep of the kindness, the grace and the mercy of Jesus, whether that's for the first time or you think, you know, just, I'm, I'm just out of sorts with Jesus. I need to drink. Just stick your hand up in the air, just right now. Stick your hand up in the air and say, Jesus... I want to drink of you today. I want to know your love and your kindness and your mercy in a new way. Holy Spirit, you see the hands. Would you minister kindness, grace, and love, and mercy in Jesus' name? And if in your heart, and I'm not going to ask you to stick your hand up in this, if you're in your heart and you think, do you know what? I just want to export some kindness. I want to see a new dimension of a river flowing in me and through me. Just ask, just turn to him right now and just say, Jesus, you promise rivers of living water. I want us just export that a little bit. I want to export some hope. I want to take some steps and I want to see you touch people, please, through me with the love and the grace and the mercy that you put within my heart. Thank you, Jesus, that you took on our flesh. You took on our humanity. You took our death within yourself on the cross, that your blood sealed the deal, that we could be acceptable and innocent and righteous before God, not because of anything we'd done, but because of your mercy. We're trusting in you and we're thanking you. And Lord... Let's have some fun. Let's have some fun in being used in your purposes. We're open to your spirit, Lord. For anybody here who's asking to be used more, let's have a go, Jesus. Amen. Thank you so much, Bill.